Hi friends, welcome to the Relationship 411 podcast. I'm Jennifer, a certified life coach that specializes in relationships. I'm a mom of four awesome kids, a podcaster, world traveler, Netflix watcher, yoga doer, fashion merchandiser, and an Instagrammer. I want to help you with your relationships, mainly your relationship with yourself, your family, and God. Thanks for listening and letting me share the tools I have learned that can help you in this journey we call life. Hey friends, welcome to my podcast. I'm so excited. Um, Today I have a guest on and her name is Becky Hennessy. And I actually met Becky probably a month or so ago at this training we did for experiential therapy, which she's going to talk about. But it was just a thing that I have done myself as a client. And then I kind of wanted to learn more and it was, it's amazing. So finding a therapist that does experiential therapy is life-changing But I'm going to let her introduce herself. And a side note is that was interesting that, of course, as in Utah, if you say, hey, where do you live? And they say where they live. And you're like, oh, do you know so-and-so? Well, believe it or not, she grew up right next to my aunt and uncle. And I actually lived with my aunt and uncle right before I was getting married. So just small world. Yeah, very small world. And she knows my cousins. And anyways, so, um, so Becky, tell us about you and how you became a therapist. How I became a therapist. So my name is Becky Hennessy. Uh, I, when people say like, who are you or whatever, I, I always say I'm a child of God. Like that's who I am. I love that. And everything else. We is all like are what children I do, of God, right? right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I'm a child of God, disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, and I have been a therapist now for about 15 years. So at the time that we're recording this, 15 years. That's awesome. Um, I first got the call about being a therapist when I was 14 and knew that that's kind of what God needed me to do. And so did all the schooling and all that kind of stuff. Uh, started out with DCFS, the Division of Child and Family Services. Removed kids from homes that were abusive. Oh, and then started to hard. be a, Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's like baptism by fire. It's tough work. And then started to be a therapist in the homes and then ventured out from there. Just worked for private practices, worked for LDS Family Services for a little while. It's now called Family Services. um, And then opened up my own private practice. I've always specialized in trauma, just kind of by default from working for DCFS. Mm So That's um, kind of set you on your path. And mm -hmm. so do you have a family? I do. I do. I have a husband that I met in eighth grade. Oh, wow. (laughs) Valley Junior High School. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so me telling my son that's uh, in high school, I'm like, Uh you know, you might have more girlfriends. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I have a a daughter who's starting ninth grade next school year. And I'm like, I mean, look around, sister. You may just be. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we met in eighth grade. Um, We're good friends. You don't date your friends in junior high and high school, and you just wait till they come home from an LDS mission and mature a little bit. Then you date them. Yes. And then you marry them. (laughs) That's And so we've known each other for a really long time. We've been married for 18 years. Um, I've got three kids. My oldest is 14, almost 15, uh, daughter. And then I have another daughter who just turned 12. And then I have a son who is like eight and a half. And he, I mean, I think as parents, you're not supposed to have favorites. I might. And it, it might be. <laughs> I think the baby of the family always I has mean, a special place. He just has a special spot. Yeah. And he's like, he's a son and son and mom feels a little bit different than mm-hmm. 
daughter and mom. Anyway, so yeah, I've got three kids and that's awesome. So I know, so you did childhood trauma, but then you went to do betrayal trauma. And that's really why I think I connected with you at the conference. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had, you know, just experiencing betrayal mm-hmm. and talking to you and you were so sweet. You bought me, I couldn't find it because I've been moving oh, and you're packing totally fine. You're totally fine. and the, the greatest quote, but anyways, yeah. um, so I just, we connected because yeah. you knew my aunt and uncle, but plus. And cause you're kind of an amazing person. So you're <laughs> Basically cool. I am amazing. It's pretty cool to connect to. But, um, so anyways, I just, I want to talk about like betrayal, like how you help women, like how does someone Because the thing that I really missed in my healing and recovery from betrayal was the trauma aspect. I think when I heard the word trauma, I felt like, oh, I have to, I'm a victim. I don't want to be a victim. Surely I wasn't, it was traumatic, but not like PTSD. Sure. And so I didn't really focus on that part of my healing. Yeah. And then this year I'm like, oh, I definitely have trauma. That's what it is, yeah. And so just tell us about, like, how can someone know that? And does all betrayal create trauma? So in the therapy world, a lot of times we call betrayal trauma relational trauma because really it's basically like an attachment injury, Mm -hmm. right? So anyone that you have formed any kind of an attachment to, I mean, that can be obviously like a partner, but... That could be child to parent. That could be business partner to business partner. Like um, anyone that you kind of form that attachment to when there's an attachment injury, when there's been that um, betrayal, then uh, that's where it comes into being that um, like relational trauma. And and basically what... I kind of like that word relational trauma better than betrayal trauma because... I mean, the word you think, oh, betrayal can be mean all sorts of things, too. All sorts of things. And so relational makes it a lot more, I don't know, I just, I think that's... More relatable? That, more relational? Yeah, it feels better. <laughs> I don't know. It feels better. I think why the buzzword is betrayal trauma, but I like relational yeah. trauma Like it kind of better. like clicks in there a little bit. Um, Dr. John Gottman, who, in my opinion, is like the guru of all relationship things. I mean, he just, he's yeah, I love him. Yeah. He has identified um, 12 different ways that like a partner can betray partner and infidelity, that kind of stuff is one of them. There's so many different ways, but I think a lot of times, and I don't know if it's um, demographically the case, if like here where, you know, we both live in Utah, uh-huh. if people hear betrayal trauma, they just fill in the blanks yeah. and assume that it must mean infidelity. But there there are a lot of other ways that a partner can be harmed um, with betrayal. And there's also different ways that anyone in that piece could, right? Like, really, you know, if I have somebody come in and they're talking with me about a childhood trauma that they had or whatever, I mean, most trauma is relational. Yeah. Really. I mean, there's trauma where, you know, you get in a car accident or something of that nature, but but most of it involves some kind of relationship or attachment or something like that. So to me, it just seems more um, fitting, more universal, mm-hmm. and something that more folks can say, oh my gosh, that actually is me. I think betrayal betrayal trauma, sometimes when we call it that, it it has the separation of like, oh no, this this doesn't apply to you, but that relational trauma makes it Yeah, it makes makes it more universal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. And I think it doesn't make it so disempowering because Mm. I feel like, at least for me, um, several years ago when I 
started researching this and I heard betrayal trauma, it just, I'm like, I'm not the victim. Yeah. I don't want to be the victim. So, yeah. so I'm not going to deal with that. But then I'm like, oh no, I, I've got to deal with that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I got to help. That's a, something, a wound inside of me. Yeah. And, and as we, like everybody gets betrayed. Yeah. I mean, different ways and different levels and things like that. But that relational piece makes it, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I really like that. So yeah. I like that you said that. Yeah. So when someone comes to you, like how are you helping? You work with women. I work with women and men. Okay, both. and men too. Yep, both of uh, who have been betrayed. So I, um, I'm currently in the process of becoming certified. I'm currently a candidate for an organization called APSATS, and that stands for the Association of Partners of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists. Say that a million times fast. Yeah. So um, a lot of people, because of that, uh, actually come and see me from being underneath that umbrella. Mm -hmm. um, but I also have folks that just, I'm, word spreads, you know, that yeah. I specialize in trauma. And so they'll come in and they'll, you know, be talking through something and I can help them with those kinds mm -hmm. of things. So too. as far as, you know, someone that has been betrayed. Yeah. Do you think, is it possible to get over that and to have a successful marriage? I mean, I believe it's possible. 100%. It doesn't always happen. It doesn't. But what what are some tools or thoughts you have on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's absolutely what's tricky, particularly in a partnership, because some people will come and they're like, hey, I want some therapy. Um, there's been this betrayal. It's hard for me to function. We peel the onion back and we're like, oh, yeah, it's because this is. This is trauma. But, and they just come themselves. They don't come and bring their partner with them. Um, they may not be in relationship anymore, or it may be like a business partner or somebody from their family forever ago or whatever. What's tricky in partnerships is it's two. Mm -hmm. And so one could absolutely be 100% gung-ho, let's do this. And the other could not. Mm -hmm. And then it doesn't work out. Right. Right. I think it can work for a while, but if the other person doesn't come along, then... Yeah, it comes. It gets to a point where... So the way that I word it with the folks that I visit with is... Because I, I use the word recovery, I use the word healing, and, and a lot of times, especially in the relational trauma space, early on, before we knew what relational trauma was, before we were calling it what it was, early on, the community like the therapist community saw partners or spouses or whatever as co-addicts. Mm. And so the language, the addict language started to be used with those who had been betrayed and mm -hmm. who were in trauma. Which seems like a turnoff to me. It's really heartbreaking. I, mean, I feel like that the word addict in general yeah. is probably the wrong word. I, I like to use yeah. abuser or something like that because sure. addict seems so like... Yeah, and Harsh, I think it, and then, it. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking if I'm being called an addict, it's like, wait a second, I was, I didn't. I was, yeah, yeah, and like side note, mm -hmm. not everyone who has compulsive sexual behaviors or who has addictions in those spaces or whatever, not everyone in those spaces are necessarily abusive, mm -hmm. in my opinion, and I can build more on that. But definitely there are people in that space that are, mm -hmm. right? And so 
as we're talking about like co-addicts and that that was the language that was used, they moved over a lot of, and this isn't just in, um, this is just like, I mean, Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous and all the anonymouses, you know? And so they moved over because they didn't really know what to call it. They knew it was a thing and that something was going on for people, but they didn't know what to call it. And so that's where they moved over. Okay, co-addicts, so you also have recovery. And it just it just went sideways. You know, you're addicted to control and that's what yeah. you need to do. And it's just not. So when I use the word recovery in this space, what I'm talking about is we're recovering your identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're recovering who you are. Um, we're recovering your sense of self. We're recovering, you know, relationship with a higher power if you have one. We're recovering relationship with self. And so that's what I mean. We're recovering mm-hmm. trust in yeah. yourself and in a higher power. And if it works out to have trust with a partner or whatever we do. But that's what I f- refer to in this space when I talk about recovery. Yeah. And I like the word recovery. And honestly, I feel like we all need recovery of some sort, right? Yeah. Because we yeah. all have some sort of trauma or, you know, everyone's life is messy. We're humans making yes. human choices and making mistakes and yeah. other people are making mistakes and doing things that are maybe hurting us, not intentionally, but they are. So yeah. I do like that word recovery that feels much better than yeah. addict. <laughs> I think kind of to add, because you were kind of like, um, and I don't know if this is in our conversation here because I had the attention span of an app, um, <laughs> or if this is in a conversation prior to like via text mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but I know one of the questions that you wondered is like, how does somebody know if they need therapy for that? How does somebody know, like, is it PTSD versus like trauma versus betrayal trauma versus really like, like, how does somebody know? And I think my answer to that would be if it starts to affect your functioning, mm. like if it starts to affect how you function day to day, if it starts to affect relationships, that would be something helpful to go and connect with somebody about and talk with them about, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a coach, whether it's a church leader, whether whatever, that's where when it starts to affect how you navigate the world, that's when to seek out help. And then as long as you're you're picking someone who is actually trained and who specializes and things like that, they're going to connect you to whatever it is that's kind of going on. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's such good advice. And I think if you've experienced any sort of betrayal, especially in your marriage, mm-hmm. you just should go talk to someone. Yeah. Because you need to have an outside person and not your mom, not yeah. your sister. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't yeah. think you're bishop. I love bishops, but yeah. like they're not trained. They're know? not they're they're they can, spiritual guides yeah, for yeah. some people, right? But they're not um, Right. They're not gonna be able to trained. Yeah, professionally. Yeah. So I just I I think you know, it, it does take courage to make a phone call and sure. you might be worried about money, but there's so many resources out there and so many, you know, people are willing to help yeah. if you need help. Um, so how do you help women? Like, what are some things that you do in your therapy that helps them? Um, we're, we've been talking about experiential therapy and you also yeah. do EMDR, which yep. I, I'm thinking, I'm like, I haven't done that. I've yeah. done experiential therapy, but I'm thinking I should do EMDR too. Yeah, I'm going to do great. all the things. Yeah, I do all I the might things. do the breathing thing that do you were it. talking about. Breath work is amazing. <laughs> but, it's like next um, level. So what, what are some things that you Little do? Tidbits. Yeah. Um, well, like 
I think as I as I describe what are some of the ways that I, you know, help folks, um, it would be helpful to know, like, as you're connecting to someone, whether it be a therapist, coach, you know, whatever, um, there really should be three components of your process. Mm -hmm. And if as you're doing your process, you're noticing that those components are there, that's just probably not somebody who's trauma informed. Mm -hmm. So those three components, and that's kind of where I start, is the, the first component. And I would love for it to be like, you do this, and then yeah. you're done, and then it's amazing. <laughs> well, and, and every person's different. One. Every yeah. person's trauma is yeah. different. Yes. But. So these three things are going to show up at some point. I like to try to get them in order, but how long you're in these phases, how long you're doing, I mean, and then yeah. once you've, you know, done phase three, sometimes you go back to phase two and then you jump to phase one. I mean, it's just, it's like spaghetti, basically. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the three components, the three phases are safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to create safety have for yourself. Have to create safety yeah. for yourself. Yep. Have to have that. And then the next would be the reprocessing the trauma or trauma resolution or grieving because of the whatever the the work yeah well and i think grief is an important component of Mm, that because it's like you thought your marriage or your relationship was this yeah and then you find out more information and you're like oh it's not that so then you have to grieve what you thought was yeah and then build and what you hoped would be yeah and what you hoped hoped would be be, so lots of i think grief is a component probably most people no one likes to feel grief and so they kind of skip over that part yeah absolutely (laughs) and then the last is reconnection and that could be reconnection to self that could be reconnection to a higher power that could be reconnection to a partner or a parent or a business partner or whatever you know um so those three components in navigating trauma in general those three are super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're in it and you're like, wow, I've been in therapy for 19 years and I don't feel like it, which hopefully you're not in therapy for 19 yeah, years and not, don't feel like yeah. anything's happening. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we've, yeah. But if that's the situation, those are the components you're looking for. So I always start folks off in safety. And some of the very first things I give them is I let them know that self-care is crucial. Mm-hmm. Self-care is a buzzword. Everybody thinks that they know what it is. Yeah. A lot of times. Yeah. Just don't bless, bless our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, self-care is not treating yourself. I mean, that's lovely and, right. and helpful and necessary. Self-care is not self-indulgence. Right. But uh, we talk about solid self-care. And so I always give them five things that I want them to do. I call them five dailies mm-hmm. that I want them to do every single day from the time that I meet them until even past they visit with me. So that's always where I start. Do you want the five things? Yeah, I do. Totally. Um, So, and these aren't in any particular order. Just do all five at some point in the day. One is to drink more water. You guys are going to hear these and you're going to be like, that's stupid. No. People pay you. I actually did a podcast a few weeks ago and I called it soul care. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love it. I called this soul care. I love it. I think we miss that component. We do miss that component. Okay, so so here's the, I mean, here we go. Um, number one is drink more water and I don't care how much, like I tell them, I, I don't know. They're like, how many ounces? That's adorable that you want yeah. a checklist. I'm not going to give you that, but just more. Yeah. So if you don't drink a lot, drink more. And if you do drink a lot, drink more. Yeah. So, uh, drinking water is helpful because one, your brain sits in water and the more hydrated it is just the better it works. And when any kind of trauma happens, whether it's betrayal trauma or whatever, it's really hard to get the brain to work. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have it be hydrated. Uh, two is when there's trauma, particularly betrayal trauma or relational trauma, you're consistently in fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. And that means that adrenaline's being released, cortisol's being released, 
the quickest way to get that out of your body is to cry it out, sweat it out, or pee it out. Mm, so the more that you drink, the more you get it out of your system. So thing one is drink more water. Thing two is to eat three meals a day, which people are like, who's not eating three meals? Well, I'll tell you. But when you're in trauma, it's hard Somebody to Somebody in trauma. Yep. That's yeah, who's not eating I, three meals a day. Yeah. You're not eating. You're like yeah. almost, you can't even, you, your stomach is in such knots that yes. you can't even eat. Or you can't stop eating. Yeah. Right? right. And so it's like three meals, like I ate for three days. So eat three meals a day mm-hmm. um, and it's breakfast, lunch, dinner. So it's not like, oh, I kind of ate that chicken nugget off my kid's plate. I guess that could count as lunch. Like you're intentionally saying this is breakfast, this is lunch, this is dinner. Again, I start off with like, I don't care about content. If you want to have peanut butter M&Ms for breakfast, Diet Dr. (laughs) Pepper for lunch, and a bag of chips for dinner, live your best life. It's fine. But we just need to have like breakfast, lunch, dinner. And after that happens, then we step up the content. Then we Mm -hmm. like, I mean, let's get some greens in there, even if it's in a smoothie. So three meals. So that's thing two. Number three is quality sleep, not quantity sleep. When trauma happens, whether it's relational or otherwise, sleep either is your best friend and that's all you want to do or you don't want anything to do with sleep. And so um, quality sleep is having some REM cycles happening, having that quality sleep um, versus quantity. Number four is to move your body on purpose. Now, some people, and by some, I mean not me, Call it exercise. <laughs> but my body hears exercise and it's like, oh, that's not fun. Yeah. So I say like intentional movement mm-hmm. because then my body yeah. is like, I can move on purpose. Yeah, it's going on a, a walk around the yeah. neighborhood or yeah, something. Yeah, just something yeah. simple. And in the early days, it's like, how about you walk out and get the mail? Yeah. That's plenty of movement. How about after you take the laundry downstairs to do the laundry, you run back up the stairs. Mm-hmm. That counts. That's great. So that's number four. And then number five is to do something to hygienically take care of yourself. Brush your teeth, floss, brush your hair, shower. Mm-hmm. Again, people are like, who is not showering? I'll tell you, somebody who just found out yeah. that they have been betrayed by a spouse and feel like their house is burned down. So something hygienically take care of yourself. Now, some folks say, oh, I'm, I'm a rock star. I'm doing all of that. Great. Then just step it up a notch. Mm-hmm. Like step up your, the content of your three meals. Or if you've already brushed your teeth, maybe floss them too, you know, or something like that. That is typically where I start, is those five dailies, and then we focus on safety. Yeah, I, I love that. Oh, I have so many questions that I want to ask you. So maybe we're going to have you back again. Let's do it. But um, anyways, thank you. I hope people have, um, you know, if you've been betrayed yourself or you know someone that has, and if you don't, you will, that this was helpful because mm. I I find we need to talk about this more yeah. and help each other and figure out a way because I think we all in some way or another have trauma in our lives. And eventually if we choose not to deal with it, it will choose to deal with us. Oh, and yeah. I really believe that. And I've experienced yes. Yep. I've experienced it personally. Mm. I've experienced with other people. And so I think it's something we need to talk about because, you know, it used to be back in the day, people want to brush everything under the rug and like, let's pretend this didn't happen. Yeah. Well, whatever you brushed under the rug is coming out in like... And it's smelly. Yeah, whenever it's we brush real- <laughs> stuff under the rugs, it always gets smelly. Yes, smelly yeah. and worse and gross. Yeah. And anyways, so yeah. thanks so much, Becky, for coming. Sure. And I really appreciate you and all the work you're doing. Thank you. If you want more relationship tips, email me at jennifer at relationship411podcast.com so you can get on my email list. 
And also you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Relationship 411 Podcast. I promise to give you the 411 about relationships so you don't have to call 911 for yours.